remaining standing, would you all pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful that you have brought us together to hear your word, to hear your law, and to hear your gospel. Lord, we pray that you would give our hearts a deep affection for your law, which you describe as perfect. And when we fall short, might you inspire our hearts to come before you with honesty, hoping in the integrity of your own son. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you all can be seated. just going to pat myself on the back here. Last time Richard uh, was supposed to do the reading, I took it from him, but I, I didn't do that this time, Richard. Um, love hearing you read far too much to take that from you. Well, some of y'all know, I, I love, um, I love, excuse me, what was this awkward part? I love to see the way all of our lectionary readings typically fit together. Scripture is God's word, all of it, And so, presumably, all of it should speak together. It should cohere. It should have a message for us that works uh, in accord. So I love searching that out, and I actually feel like that's part of what the Holy Spirit calls us to do. That's another sermon. The thing that happens uh, in this set of readings today, I think, is we, we, we come to an inevitable question it's a really simple one. It's one that everyone will run into at some point or another, whether you're Christian or not, probably. And it's, it's this. What does God want from us? What does God want from us? In our Old Testament reading, we read through the Ten Commandments. That's the law. The words of God that were kept in the Ark of the Covenant. They were treasured, guarded inside the tabernacle. And they were known to be written by God's own hand. And then we saw in our gospel reading this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees, who were the the great upholders of the law and the keepers of the commandments. And in that interaction, Jesus does a surprising thing. He says that he will take the kingdom of God from them and give it to someone else. I think that word Pharisee or Pharisaical gets so familiar to us sometimes that we don't see the drama in this. See, the Pharisees were the great keepers of the law. They did everything as they should. All those commandments that we just read, they did all of them. And yet throughout the Gospels, the Pharisees are again over and over almost unilaterally condemned by Jesus. And the question I think that we have to wrestle with is why? Why would they be condemned? They kept the law. They did what they were supposed to do. They didn't appear to murder. They didn't appear to steal. They didn't appear to commit adultery. And yet Jesus condemns them. So the question I have is, if he treats the religious elite in this way, then what could he possibly want from me? And what could he want from you? What could he want from us? And Jesus gives an answer at the very beginning. Verse 43 Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, the Pharisees, and given to a people producing its fruits. And yet again, even in this relatively straightforward answer, I think we should wonder what could producing fruit possibly mean aside from keeping the law? In other words, what did the Pharisees really get wrong? And the reason I belabor this point of questioning is because I think we as Christians sometimes tend to think of ourselves as morally privileged. 
sort of better than all of the Israelites who don't really know what they're doing. There's a uh, well-known uh, black professor at Duke named Willie Jennings, and he has this great way of describing the relationship between Christians and, and Israel here. He says that being a Christian is like being a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend and being invited to meet the family for the first time. And you show up to the house, everybody's there, the brothers and sisters, and you sit down at the table, and then all of a sudden, you remember a joke, an old family joke, and you tell it. And everybody stops. And you wonder, are they going to laugh? Or are they going to kick me out? But they don't kick you out. They all burst into laughter. And the reason they do that is because they know the one who brought you. You have the end. They know the one who brought you. And that's not unlike how we are with Jesus He brings us in to the promises, the covenants of Israel, and they become our own. And so the reason I keep asking this question is because it is so easy to look at the Pharisees and to say, what fools, I would never do the same. And additionally, it's easy to see the Pharisees and say, the keeping of the law, it doesn't really matter. But that's not true. The law matters. If you ever go to a right one service, you'll you'll remember at the very beginning, what do you hear? Summary of the law. Traditionally, it would have been all the Ten Commandments read out loud. Did you pay attention to our psalm? The laws and the precepts of the Lord are perfect. They're an object of love for us. They're worth keeping and admiring and loving, not tossing aside. So the Pharisees, in some ways, they are not fools. But I'll tell you what they get wrong. See, in the parable, Jesus describes how this landowner sets tenants over his vineyard, And he sends back these messengers to check in over and over and to collect what's his. And as you know, the the tenants kill the messengers. They do it again and again and again. And so this landowner finally sends his own son, thinking surely they'll respect him. But of course they don't. They kill the son as well. And then, finally then, the tenants are condemned. See, you know, the messengers, they're the prophets of Israel. They're sent over and over to remind Israel about her true task to be a holy nation, to be set apart, to care for the poor, to worship God. But they don't do it. But the point to see is that Jesus, excuse me, that, that the messengers of God come again and again and again. And the Pharisees still don't repent. So you see, it's it's not a problem with the law. It's not even a problem primarily with Israel. It's that they don't repent. And God longs for theirs and yours and our repentance. The problem with the Pharisees is they gave their observance, they gave their time, they gave their energy, they gave their devotion, but they didn't give God their heart. They didn't give him their heart, and so they don't repent. And I'm here to tell you this morning, in really basic language, if you have ever wondered what God wants from you, he wants you to love the law, and he wants you to repent. He wants all of you. He wants your brokenness. He wants your... Some months ago, there was this really popular uh, um, documentary on Netflix. Some of you probably saw it. It was called Fire. It was kind of a... Um, anyway, I won't go into it. I enjoyed it. I watched the whole thing. And it was about a young CEO from, from New York, and he set out to start this destination music festival. 
on a private island that he had found in the Caribbean. And so he rallied all these huge investors and he, he solicited all kinds of famous people to promote his festival, social media. And there were thousands of people who bought tickets and, and they hired private planes and boats to all take them to this island. And then when they got there, they found out that the whole thing was basically a scam. The luxury villas, they were just tents. They were like FEMA tents. The beautiful private island, it actually wasn't private. There were a bunch of people living there. And then even more, they got there, and when they wanted to leave, there was no way off the island. (laughs) They were stuck. It was a fraud. So everything in the advertising, all the social media, it all looked amazing, but the thing itself was a disaster. And the whole point of, of this documentary was really to tell the story about this CEO who just, he simply couldn't pull it off, and he, he, he really didn't know what he was doing. And as the day got closer and closer, he kept acting, he had it all together, but he didn't, and he got found out. And I, I don't know that man, I don't know anything about the guy but I would bet that he had one of two problems, maybe a combination of both. One, he, he either was totally out of touch with reality, and you've encountered people like this, people who just don't realize um, what problems they have. They're totally oblivious to anything around them, and so they trust in this absolutely unrelenting way in their own competence. That could have been. Or, Maybe he thought he had this small percentage of a chance that he could actually pull it off. He thought, you know, there's a, it might work, and so he just doubled down, and he acted as if he had it all together. He faked control and competence, and then it, it finally didn't work, and it went off the rails. And if you're like me, you resonate with one of those two categories. I've resonated with both at times. But if you resonate with the second category, the faker one, then there's good news for you. Because if you are in that first category where you feel like you are covering up, where you are um, sort of accommodating and trying to put on a show, then repentance is not far away. Repentance isn't far away. All you have to do is give up the charade. That's it. And unlike the business world of that CEO and the world of the gospel, God longs for you to give up the charade. And he promises that he will take you in. He will never reject you. And we know that because we see that on the cross. Now, if you resonate with that first category, the the sort of um, uh, alternate reality, I feel like I don't have any problems, then you need to take a long, slow gaze into the law. Into the law. Again, the Pharisees, they truly believed that, that, that they had done and formed the law in some appropriate way. And if you look back to the very beginning, you'll see that this was a, a, a huge mistake on their part from the very beginning. Remember back at our Old Testament reading, the Ten Commandments, at the very end, do you remember what the Israelites did after, after Moses issues the Ten Commandments or after they hear them spoken from God? Exodus twenty eighteen tells us, It says, they were afraid. They were afraid and they trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. And then Moses says to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. 
And I think that is so wonderful. Only scripture could come up with something like that. They are terrified, and Moses says, don't be afraid of God, fear God. Don't be afraid of God, fear God. That is, don't, don't, don't believe that God gives the law to destroy you. He gives it to you to make you holy. Don't see the law as a sign of absolute judgment. See it as a sign of his love, a way of coming to reckon with your own sin. Don't be afraid of God. Fear God. I think some of us have lived so long under an assumption that everything is okay. We have no healthy fear of God. And so we struggle to repent because we have no fear of the one who made us. And if you're ever to fix this issue, you need to stare deeply into the law. Look at it with a a humility and a reverence. Read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and see the way he reestablishes what the law requires. Reflect on the state of all of your relationships. Assess your anger. See where you might have hurt people. Look into the law and reflect on your own life and then repent. And if none of that works then I'd like for you to simply reflect on your own finitude, which is not a sin, by the way. Finitude is not a sin. But it is a reflection of God's absolute control. And we do live in a world where we are not in control. How could we ever forget that in a world where the most powerful people in the world are affected by viruses? Shake them to the core. See, we live in light of our own end. And so the call is to repent before it's too late. Repent. And then finally, if we are ever to actualize this repentance, if we're ever to do it with habituation, to do it again and again, I think the key is to see how wonderful it really is. In my own experience, I think there's an old lie that sort of drifts around that says repentance will hurt. It'll actually shake you. It'll hurt. You don't want to do it. But in truth, repentance feels so good. It is absolutely blissful. There are whole psalms about it. There are songs in scripture about it. It feels so good. It's a little like this, where I grew up, uh, there's about a week around this time of year, every year. It's when the weather has finally gotten just a little bit cold, and you can go to the beach, you can strip down into your bathing suit, and as you walk out to the ocean, you'll be freezing. It's so cold. And then as, you're, as you suddenly get there, you, you dive in. And the most surprising thing happens. The water's warm. It's warm. You can stay in there for hours, as long as you like. And I think repentance is just a little bit like that. It's like stripping down in the cold. It's like opening up to God about who you really are. And then when you finally tell him, all of a sudden, it's warm. Jesus tells the Pharisees, have you not read the scriptures? The stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. And so I challenge you all today, together with me, to be with the rejected one, the one who was rejected. Offer your sins to the one who was rejected. Give to the rejected one all of your heart. Because it says he's become the cornerstone, the one in whom all things hold together. If you do that, the miraculous thing that happens is that you become unassailable. 
Jesus tells his disciples, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So the message today is simple. What does God want from you? He wants you to love the law. He wants all of your heart. He wants you to repent. You do that. You give him your heart, and nothing will touch you. If you haven't done that before, look to the law and see how you measure up. And if you feel that you have been covering up, you're anxious and you're afraid that you will finally be found out, you're just waiting for the moment, then I invite you to to let him find you out, to strip off your clothes, to throw your hands, throw your whole self into him. There's a great section from a psalm. It says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. The Lord takes pleasure in you giving him your whole heart. The Lord takes pleasure even when you give him your brokenness. The Lord takes pleasure in you giving him your heart because he has given you his. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.